Let's turn our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. A lot of people today are concerned about their bodies, about eating right and exercising right and getting enough sleep and all that. It may surprise you, though, to find out that God is concerned about His body, too. Did you know that? You say, well, well, Pastor, that's kind of a weird statement to make. What are you talking about? Well, the Bible says that God calls His church His family by many names. But one of the many names that God uses to describe His work, His people, and His Word is the body of Christ. And just like many of us, God is concerned with how His body looks and how His body is working. In fact, I don't think I'm overstating the point to say what I'm about to say. The passage of Scripture that we're going to look at today and the message that I believe that God's given me, given me to share with you from that passage may be some of the most important things that I've ever shared with our church. Now, not because this passage necessarily gives us the primary mission that God has given His people to accomplish. Many of you know that to Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, they give us that focus. They tell us that the primary mission that Christ has given to His family is to spread the good news, that the Savior has come, that God wants to come into our lives to wash our sins away and to live with us forever and ever. And He wants the whole world to hear about that message. But what we're going to learn about today helps us to understand some very important aspects about how God intends for us to fulfill that assignment. We saw last time, as we began uh, chapter 4 of the book of Ephesians, that the focus of Paul's writing has changed here in chapter 4. Uh, as one person put it, in the first three chapters, Paul kind of took us up into the clouds. He was showing us the bigger picture of what a relationship with Christ is for us. But now... His feet are going to get on the ground. <laughs> he's been up in the clouds, but now he's going to go back to where the rubber meets the road. Now God's going to show him, and now God's going to use him to show us how all of that good stuff that we've learned needs to be lived out in our everyday lives. More and more as we go through the book of Ephesians, we're going to see practical examples of how God and his message for us, his hope for us, makes a difference in our everyday lives. And the message that we learned last time from Ephesians 4 verses 1 through 10 is that God has a desire for His family to be united and to be together, to be, we might say to today, on the same page. But He also expects, and He affirms in that passage that we studied, that God expects a lot of variety in His family. God doesn't expect that you and me are going to look exactly the same, and He designed for it to be that way. Well, specifically, we talked about that a little bit in general last week, but specifically, Paul was heading towards a discussion of spiritual gifts. And that's our focus for today, and it's going to be our focus for the next few messages together. When God comes into a person's life, when Jesus Christ washes their sins away, when His Spirit comes and resides in a person's life, His Word teaches that He gives each person at least one spiritual gift. And each one of us has been given those gifts so that a very powerful purpose could be accomplished. He wants the body of Christ in this world, the church, to grow into everything it was designed to be. Now, I'm going to use some athletic language here today. Uh, again, like I said, because, um, you know, I'm kind of known for being athletic and bodybuilding kind of guy. 
haha, right? Uh, but uh, the, the language that God uses here really is the language of bodybuilding. And so let's turn to Ephesians chapter 4 and let's talk about bodybuilding, the, the, the purpose of spiritual gifts. Now, um, first of all, what I want to talk to you about as we look at these verses in verse 11 is about the trainers, the trainers. Now, we know that uh, many people who are involved in bodybuilding, they have trainers who are involved in their lives, and I believe that's what we see in God's Word here. Let's, let's, uh, let's think about this here together. We're going to look at several things in this passage, but the first one is the trainers. I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, I didn't have a lot of experience around pastors. But from the little exposure that I did have from the churches that I went to, my view of a pastor was something like this. Church is really the pastor's thing. He's really excited about it. He focuses his life on it. In fact, he's really the one who does most of the church's work. He visits the sick. He tells other people about Jesus. He pretty much does pretty much everything. And other people in the church, they kind of get involved in that, but it was pretty much his responsibility for the work to get done, and the rest of the people just sort of help him out so that he can get that accomplished. What I want to share with you is I've begun to study God's Word. I found out even before I became a pastor, I saw that the model that I had grown up with was not what God's Word teaches. And that's what we're going to see in these verses. In verse 11, the Bible does teach that God raises up leaders, and we're given a list of some of those leaders. Let's read verse 11. It says, And God, He, he Himself, Jesus actually specifically is who is talking about, He Himself gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. Now, we're going to uh, come back in another message and examine these particular roles that God mentions in His Word right here. But, but for now, suffice it to say this. God gave people who were gifted by Him, and He gave them as gifts, according to this passage, to the church, but for a very foundational ministry. And if we take a glimpse ahead there in verse 12, it tells us, it gives us an idea of the primary role that God gave these people for. These people were to be, what's it say in verse 12? He gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints. God tells us in His Word that there are trainers that He has put in His body. And they are here to train and to equip other people. Now, we'll talk more in a moment about who they equip and what they equip them to do. But first of all, I want us to think about that. Pastors and other leaders within a church family, to some extent, the, 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 the principle can be applied across really for any spiritual leader. They have been given to some degree or another for equipping according to God's Word. Now, what is it? that God gave these leaders to. What does that word equipping mean? Well, the word equip means to set a limb that's been broken back into place. If you broke your arm, it means to, be, to put that back where it's supposed to be. In uh, God's Word or in the, Greek, uh, in, Greek, the, in the Greek times, they use that to talk about the word equip is the word they would use to mend a fishing net. It meant to furnish or to provide proper equipping for some task that a person had to do so the idea was this the general idea was someone who helped someone else or something else get back to the condition it was originally intended for in the first place that's what the word equipping means 
And, and I like the image of the word I've chosen, the word trainer, because according to God's word, those people are not to be, now listen to the difference, those people are not to be replacement players. You remember baseball a few years ago, they had a strike, was it baseball? Or, I think it was baseball, they had a strike and they had replacement players. Well, that's not the idea here. They're not to be replacement players. They don't take people out of the game and do their job for them. The Bible teaches that they're equipment managers. They're trainers who help other people find the tools they need to get involved in the game. Now, again, as I said, this might be a paradigm shift for many of us, but I believe it's foundational for our church to understand. Spiritual leaders are not called by God to do all of God's work. They're not even designed by God to do that. And yet I see many pastors functioning like that. Do you know why that happens? Do you know why many pastors end up getting caught in that cycle? Well, many times it's because their church is expected, isn't it? And that's one problem when a pastor or a spiritual leader begins trying to meet people's expectations. But the other is the pastor's responsibility. The other is that many times people have the wrong expectations because they've never been taught. They've never been equipped. That's my responsibility as God's servant is to teach and to equip our church family today. A pastor's primary responsibility is to teach, is to train, is to equip so that others can find and fulfill God's creative purpose for their lives. And so that other people can make a contribution to the work that God is doing in this world. Amen? Now, let me, uh, before we move on, let me clear up a couple of misconceptions as I'm saying this. Some hear me as a pastor, some hear a pastor talk about a passage or a topic like this, and they think this, oh, our pastor's just lazy. He wants us to do all his work. <laughs> well, well, let me tell you something. Pastors better be hard workers too. Their focus, though, is equipping others to do God's work with them. And though their focus is equipping, listen, they'll be in the game too, amen? I believe that a pastor ought to be ministering. I believe that a pastor ought to be doing uh, much uh, all of the same things that people in a church family are doing. We are a body of Christ, and we are doing God's work together. But the focus here is that God is giving trainers and equippers so that the players can be prepared to get involved with the game. Well, continuing with that imagery, let's talk about the players. He talks about them here. He says, God gave some as apostles and some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service, is what the New American Standard says. The problem, as we've said, is that so many times we see people in, quote, full-time ministry as being the primary players, the one that God expects to do all His work. But verses 11 through 12 are showing us that the primary assignment that God gives them is equippers so that the rest of the team can suit up and fulfill their roles. Here, the players are called the saints. Now, he said, well, that must mean I'm not a player because I certainly am not a saint. Well, what's a saint? Well, the Bible just teaches that a saint, a saint is not some person that they die and a hundred years later we decide that they were a really good person and so we give them sainthood. We don't have the ability to say who's a saint or not. Only Jesus Christ has that ability. And you know what? I've got some wonderful news for you. If you have received Christ as your Savior, if you are a child of God, if He's washed your sins away, hello, you are a saint. That's what the Bible says. The word saint means people who've been set apart for a special purpose by God. When you receive Christ as your Savior, you have been set apart as special. Aren't you glad? I have been set apart as, as a child of God. God sees me as a saint. 
but he also has a task. He has an assignment for me. I don't have a halo. No, I'm not that kind of saint, but I am a child of God set apart just like you are for a special purpose. And you know what? I believe that many saints are right on the edge of making a huge impact for God. You see, the reason that the saints are being equipped is because God has an assignment for them. Now, friends, don't miss this. The Bible says that God is calling His people to do the work of the ministry. Now, it says service here, and it can be translated service or it can be translated ministry. I think both translations are helpful. The word service helps us to not make ministry such a formal thing, doesn't it? We're just talking about serving other people. When we're doing ministry, we are serving other people. Let's don't make it a capital M that we are a a capital M, we're doing ministry, we're serving. That's what a minister does. But I also like the translation ministry because it helps you to see the point. Every child of God is a minister. Did you know that? In fact, did you look at the front of your worship guide this morning? Did you notice? Did you notice what was listed on the front of your worship guide? It said, Pastor Robbie Langford, Associate Pastor Jeff Lamaster, ministers the whole church family. I think I'm going to leave that there. I like that. You guys are on the team. Do you know that? You're the players. This is the squad. These are the people that do the work of service, that do the work of the ministry. Many people will call a pastor the minister. You know what? I am a minister, but I'm not the minister. First of all, I can't handle that pressure, okay? Y'all don't put that on me. I can't be the man, all right? So don't put that on me. But I am a minister, just like any child of God, I am a minister. But guess what? You are too. You're in the ministry. Welcome to the ministry. There's been a temptation throughout church history. Do you see a bigger picture? Can we kind of rise above our our experience for a second and kind of just get a little bit more of God's perspective? There's been a temptation during church history for there to be a wide distinction between church leadership and the rest of the church members. May I say something to you? There are roles of leadership. And God certainly identifies that in His Word. And I'm not downplaying that. Leadership, spiritual leadership for God comes with a high degree of blessing. Absolutely. I thank God for the privilege of being His servant in so many people's lives. It comes with a great deal of blessing. It also comes with a great deal of responsibility. But on another level, overemphasizing that sometimes has caused other people within the body to think that they don't have a contribution to make. And that is not what the Bible teaches. Every single person in this room who is a child of God has a unique and absolutely necessary contribution to make to the work that God is doing in this world. I absolutely believe that with all my heart. Are you getting the picture in these verses? New Hope is not just a growing church that that the pastoral staff says, hey, we need everybody to get involved because we sure do have a lot of stuff that we've got to justify doing and we really need some people to do it for us. We're just looking for warm bodies. We need your help. We're signing up. No, that's not where this is coming from. God's plan all along. Would you begin to get a glimpse Would God begin, as I said, to maybe cause a paradigm shift in your mind? I know for some of us, we've never heard this before. We've never thought about it before. It's hard for us to even kind of begin to get this picture. But God's plan all along has been for us to be a vibrant, active, involved group of people. He has called all of us. In fact, what did he say in verse 7? Each one of us. Do you hear the individual nature of it? 
but to each one of us, God has called to fulfill a purpose in this world through his people here together. Thank God he has set aside trainers and equippers. Thank God there are people who lead, who feed, who guide, who guard, who protect, who challenge, who equip. But God's work is bigger than the equippers. Now listen, when you go to a ball game, do you go? Because man, that trainer is awesome. I mean, he gets that stuff out there and he gets them lined up. And Man, I've never seen anybody tape ankles like that. Man, I've never seen a water boy run out with such gusto and just fill those cups. That's why I go to the game, don't you? No. We go to see the players. Each one God expects to be involved and to make their contribution to the game. And if we all begin to have that perspective, that expectation, I want you to see what we're really building toward. That's the goal. Why is the trainer doing what he's doing? Why are the equippers doing what they're doing? Why are those players, what is it that they're involved in? We're talking about bodybuilding. What's going on? Let's talk about the goal, number three, in verses 12 through 16. He says, He gave some as apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, to the building up of the body of Christ. That's the point. We can stop right there. Although I'm thankful, many times in God's Word, God uh, kind of uh, expands on what He's saying. And so here, verses 13 through 16 are expanding on that phrase, to the building up of the body of Christ. What are you talking about there? It says, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. Friends, these are some of my favorite verses in the Bible. The beautiful body of Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together. Do you hear just the intricacy of this, the individual nature of every part? The whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint, every ligament, every single piece supplies according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Isn't this a beautiful picture? These are some of my favorite verses in the Bible. You know why? Because God has called me to be a pastor. And God, I just want to know, if you've given me assignment, an assignment, what on earth am I supposed to be doing? Why, what am I on earth am I doing here? And the reason I get excited about this is because I see, whether I'm a pastor or whatever role I play in the church, I get a picture of what it is God is expecting to happen here. What God ultimately wants to accomplish is bodybuilding. He wants the body of Christ to be beautiful, to be toned, to be lean, to be efficient, to be strong, to be healthy in this world. Those are my words, but let me, let's talk about these specifics that Paul uses. Uh, as the parts of the, of the body of Christ begin to be equipped and to function in their roles, as each individual part, as he talks about, here's what's going to happen. In verse 13, he says, unity will take place. Isn't that, hasn't that been a message we've heard throughout this whole passage? The body becomes a body with lots of different pieces and parts, but it becomes a body that's working together in unison to accomplish a larger purpose. And we saw last time that, that, that's an, that, that, that it's an awesome thing for those who've received Christ 
to be together, to not be divided, to not be arguing, to not be against one another, but be to be united by our faith and to be focused on Him. When we are fulfilling our assignment in the body of Christ, there will be more unity. I guarantee you. When more and more people make a decision that I will fulfill the role that God has called me to be to play in this world through His body of the church, the, the body will become more and more united. There will be less division because the body will be working together to do God's work, and there won't be any time. <laughs> There's no time for the, for the body to be arguing and fussing and fighting. In fact, many times I believe that's why churches are in so many arguments and problems is because they're not doing anything for God. And so, you know, they're just, uh, they get bored and they start picking on each other. But when the body begins working together, then it's united. What else will happen? You know what happens? Now listen, begin to get the picture of the body of Christ functioning in its beauty in this world. When it begins to happen, we will be growing in our understanding of Jesus Christ. I want you to get excited about that. In verse 13, it says this, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. The word that's used here for knowledge is a, is a Greek word that, that goes beyond knowledge. It means knowledge upon knowledge. And many times, maybe some of your translations translate it true knowledge. It gives the idea of knowledge to the fullest extent. And so what God's saying here is, as each part of the body grows in its ability to do its part, you know what happens? We learn more about Jesus. We see Him more. We'll come closer to Christ as we see His beautiful body working in this world. Is that not true? In fact, as I thought about this as I was preparing this week, it brought me to tears to think about it. That is my desire. That is what I long for. To see, do you desire to see that? Do you desire to see Jesus Christ lived out in this world? Do you? Is that your hunger? I want to see Jesus. I want to see what Christ would do. If He were here right now, what would be happening? What would He be doing? What would He be saying? What activity would he be involved in? What would he be broken over? What would he be involved in? As the body of Christ, it's not some organization that we say, okay, we're the body of Christ and here's what we're going to be involved in or here's what we're going to do. Or here. No, it's the body working. And you know what's fun about that is? I don't dictate that. We discover that. Amen? As the body works, we see, oh, that's what Jesus wanted to do. Oh, God raised up this person over here to take this ministry that needed to go a step further. Man, I see that ministry more clearly now than I ever saw it before. It's beginning to function like it looks like God created for it to more and more. Or wait a second, there's something over here that we've never thought of before. We've never even noticed before. It hasn't been on our radar screen. But God began to raise up a person over here, a different part of the body, and we see them and we say, Oh, brother, oh, sister, oh, God's put that on your heart. Here's something that we never even thought of before. And we see Jesus more clearly in this world. We get the picture, but he tells us straight out in verse 13. As that happens, we will grow. We'll be moving more towards maturity. Do you see it there? He says, To a, and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. The picture I get here, it's kind of wordy there, but the picture I get here is let's pretend like we brought Jesus in today and we just got him to stand up against the wall and we measured him. How tall is Jesus? Okay? He's the mature man, right? He's all he's supposed to be. Are we? Now, now if you were to kind of put us up against the wall, you'd say we're kind of, 
if he's six foot, you know, six foot one, I'm just throwing out a number. Don't take me down as Jesus is six foot one, okay? All right, people take things like that and run on If Let's just say six to make it even. If Jesus is six foot tall, then we're just little babies, aren't we? I mean, in terms of our maturity, I'm not near where he is. But you know what? The more that Christ works through each one of us, you know what will happen? We'll start looking more and more like the full-size Jesus. We'll start looking like a mature adult. Maturity means we grow into what we were made to become. Don't you want your kids, amen, parents? Don't you want them to be mature adults one day? What does that mean? You want them to develop into everything they were created to be. One day you're going to let them go. You're going to release them. Your work of equipping and preparing them is over. They will be mature. Maturity means rightness. It means it's not off in some way. Doesn't life, doesn't church many times just not feel quite right? It feels off in some way. Doesn't life in general not always feel fulfilling? It's not as enjoying. Don't you have a sense that there's more? Don't you have a sense that it could be better? Even in a great church, and, and, I, and you all know the context of this, where this message is coming from, I have no complaints about New, New Hope Community Church. If I did, I'd be honest and share those with you. I thank God for what God is doing in this church. But you know what? I still sense, as wonderful as, we, as we've experienced here together, that there is more. Amen? Not because I want a big church, not because I want a lot of work to do, but because I just sense that God is developing a body of people here, and I sense that I've just begun to see what Christ could do through a church family. Fulfillment and enjoyment is possible in life. It is possible. I hope you catch a glimpse of this today and you never let go of it. It is possible for us to experience the fullness of Jesus Christ here on this earth. It is possible for us to see what Christ would be and what he would do in this world. Now the reality is we'll never quite get there, amen, <laughs> until we get to heaven, but we can get closer every step of the way. And you know what will happen? Now I don't know about you, but this is something else I long for. Verse 14, as a result, if the real Jesus showed up, if we were really his body being what he would do. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. We'll become, according to the Bible, as we grow as a body, as God shows himself through us, we will become more and more stable. Now, I hesitate to use the word stable. Because stable almost sounds like static. It sounds like it's not moving. It sounds like it's stuck in a rut. That's not what we're talking about here. When you're following Christ, you're never stuck, right? <laughs> you're moving somewhere. He, Jesus is always moving me forward. But what I mean by that is, by stable, by stability, that we're no... Friend, do you long for this like I do? To see in my life and to see in your life and the life of as many people as we can possibly help to grow in Christ... What it means is that we're stable to the extent of we're no longer thrown about in life. Don't you listen to my heart. So many people and so many churches come and go. And I got to tell you something, that has always bothered me. It's always bothered me. Now, don't get me wrong. I know life can't be as nice and tidy as I would like for it to be. I've come to the realization that God sees the bigger picture and I can't figure it all out.
But can I just share my heart with you? It seems to me that things ought to last longer than they do. Did you hear what I just said? It seems to me that things in this world ought to be able to last longer than they do. I think about the song many times. I'm not going to sing it, but you ever heard that song? And if love doesn't last forever, what's forever for? I think about that many times. Why do good things have to stop? Why can't good things continue? Why can't stability and strength in somebody's life and a church's life, why do they have to come and go? Listen, can, can, can I just challenge you to think about something? How many people have come and gone from this church family since the beginning of this church? It breaks my heart. Can I just tell you something? And this is not a negative necessarily. It is the reality in any church that has started. There is nobody here today, except for me and Shannon, there is nobody left from our original Bible study. That breaks my heart. When we started, God, here's some people you've given us, and I want to see them grow, and I want to see them develop. Some of those were God's will. God decides to move people where he wants them to, but some of them are not here because they're tossed about. They were not grounded. Okay, let's bring it back another direction. Why do so many pastors come and go? Why? The average time that a pastor is at a church today in America is 18 months. Now, I'm not saying that a pastor is just like a father, but in a sense, there's some, there's, some, there's some principles that apply there. What if you change parents every 18 months? Wouldn't that be unstable? Wouldn't it be hard to find direction? Wouldn't it be hard to, to, to dig in and go somewhere? I can't believe the instability I find in so many churches. And many times, pastors will tell you, well, God led me away. Well, don't blame it on God. Many times, they just decided they wanted to do something else. Now, I know God leads people in different directions, and we can't judge other people. But I'm just saying, as I look at the bigger picture, I believe that God's work calls for more stability. More and more as this body of Christ grows, listen to me, friends, this is it. More and more as we grow, as we experience the fullness of Christ here, we will develop real relationships. Real relationships. Not just pretend, not just smile because it's Sunday stuff. We will really get to know each other. We'll really get to know Jesus. We'll really get to know each other. And you know what? More and more, we'll get stronger. Yeah, we'll be growing. We'll always have work to do. We're going to need to be patient with each other, but more and more, we'll see stability. And I thank God we've seen that over our history. More and more, I see stability in people's lives. More and more, I see long-term, sustained growth in our lives. More and more, I see development. I see life change that is lasting. More and more, I see people not so easily enticed to go back to old ways of living. That's a huge desire of mine that I will never go back to my old way of living and that God forbid that anybody else here would. Now, I know it's going to happen, but more and more I'm praying that that will happen less and less. Amen? Amen? I don't want to lose anybody. I don't want to see anybody fall off the wagon or jump off the train or go, you know, or, or get their life back in the ditch again. Let's keep moving forward, and while we're moving forward, let's grab some other people to go with us. Amen? Right. We'll never get it perfectly but we should be seeing it more and more. We should be seeing more victory. We should be seeing more stability and life change that lasts. Oh, I long for that. And we'll see something that I've seen in God's Word as I've studied His Word in verse 15. More and more we'll see a balance of love and truth. 
Now, I don't have time to go into this right now, but at some point I'm praying about preaching a whole series of messages on this. Can I just tell you, as I study God's Word, this seems to be a focus in the Bible. There seems to be an emphasis in the Bible on spirit and truth, on grace and truth, on love and truth, on mercy and truth. John chapter 1 says Jesus came what? Full of what? Full of grace and full of truth. There's something to that. We need both. Again, we don't have time to dig into that today and get all we can out of it. We'll do that another time. But we need more and more as we grow as a body, as the body function, we'll see more love and we'll see more truth develop. Paul sums up this bodybuilding language in verses 15 through 16 uh, by saying, uh, when all this happens, we'll grow up. We'll grow up into every aspect that Jesus created us for and every ligament will be working. You know what I was talking to Stacy yesterday? I told him, I said, you know, the other day we had that ice storm. I didn't want my driveway. I did this when we first moved here. We had one of those ice things, and I said, oh, it'll melt. I didn't realize it won't. And so for the whole summer or for the whole winter, I had ice underneath snow for the, and skidding across my driveway. So this time I said, I'm going to be smart. There's ice in my driveway. I'm going to get one of those flat uh, shovels, and I'm going to beat it to death. Well, I did, but I also beat my elbow to death. So yesterday I asked Stacy to check that out. I said, is this normal? Is this okay? Do I need to get it checked? You know, I'm going to live okay with this, but I'm going to keep an eye on it because it'd be a whole lot better if it was working right. Amen? Okay, listen, you don't feel any pressure out there. If you don't allow Christ to move you forward, we'll be okay. Don't feel like the world's going to fall apart without you. But you know what? My arm would feel a lot better if whatever that is, Stacy, you could tell me what it is, but ligament, bone, muscle, whatever, if it were working right, it'd feel a lot better. Amen? So I'll be all right. I'm going to live, but I'd rather that be working. If it were working, I could pick up my little boy a little bit easier. You see what I mean? Is Jesus speaking to you about that? Could it be as good as it sounds? Don't you, don't you kind of sense that it could? Don't you kind of sense that as wonderful as God has worked in our lives together, that it could be even better? Well, it's going to be up to you. And would you pray for me? I need to be faithful to equip you. I need to be faithful to be the trainer that God has called me to be. And will all of us be faithful to take the equipping we've been given and to put it on and use it for God? Is there any way right now, can I ask a question for our church, a diagnostic question, is there any way right now that this church does not look like Jesus? If the world were depending on us to see Jesus Christ in this world, what would they be missing? What would not be showing up that Christ wants to be shown in this world because it's not happening here? And really, most of that happens at some point because in my own life, I'm not allowing Christ to work. What mixed signals are you sending to the world right now? Maybe the world knows that, that you verbally say, I love Jesus, but what is not showing Christ? Yes, we need to share Christ, but I believe we need to show Him more. We need to demonstrate Him more in our lives. Is our church not being all He wants us to be because there's some aspect of your life that Christ has called you to fulfill in this church family and that part is not being played out? There may be a ministry right now that exists and is doing okay, but God wants to grow it, and you're the person. 
There may be, as I said, something that we currently do not do, but God wants us to pray about, and he's going to use you to help us with that. Like I said before, just like that, whatever that is in my arm, I'll be okay if it doesn't get fixed. Don't feel the weight of the world on yourself, but get excited. Hey, that arm that's not quite working right, if I got in the game, that piece would no longer be an issue. It'd be doing everything it needs to do. It can be as good as we think it can be. It'll never be all that God designed for it to be because we're involved with it. (laughs) We're going to mess it up. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to have to factor in this thing called sin, right? We're going to blow it. We're going to mess up. We're going to hurt each other's feelings. But even that, God's created and designed his body to deal with if every part is functioning right. What is God calling you to be and to do in his family today? Maybe today he's calling you just to be a part of the family. Maybe you've never received Christ. Maybe you say, I don't even know if I'm part of that. Today, friend, it can be very simple. The sign-up, the enlistment is very easy. It wasn't cheap. Jesus gave his blood. He gave his life. He died on the cross. He was brutally beaten and humiliated publicly so that you could enter into a relationship with him. But if today you will just very simply in childlike faith say, I believe. I believe that Christ did that for me. And I want to receive his gift. And I want to invite him to come into my life and to wash my sins away. And I want to be a part of whatever he wants me to do in this world. Today, you can be a part of the body. Many of us are discovering what part we are. I want to encourage you to keep pressing on. Some of you right now know what God wants you to do. I want to encourage you to take that step. Go ahead and just get moving with it. What are you waiting for? Whatever it is today, would you allow Christ to work in your heart? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the picture that has been painted today in your word about how it's possible for your body, for your presence to be real in this world. Lord, not because of some organization or not because of things on paper or just because we say it, Lord, but because we allow Christ to work through us. And I pray to whatever extent there's anybody here in this room today that is not allowing Christ to work in and through their life, then in these next few moments, you would speak to them and they would respond to that calling. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If God is speaking to your heart today, friend, listen. Can I just tell you something? If you are here today and you have not received Christ, I want to apologize if New Hope in some way has not represented Christ. We're not there yet. We're trying. We're working on it. We're asking Jesus to help us grow. But to the extent that you've seen him today, and you've seen his beauty, and you've heard his message, and you're sensing his call in your life, would you give your heart to Christ? The Bible seems to indicate in God's word that when somebody is truly open to God, it doesn't take a lot of information. It just takes God calling. God's calling you, that's enough. You got a lot to learn. You got a lot to grow in. Welcome to the club. That's what we're here for. But today, if Christ is speaking to you, that's the call you need to answer. Yes, Jesus, I want to receive you. Many of us here today, I believe, church family, that God has put us here in Ephesians for a reason. This is foundational to the rest of our history. Is that over speaking? I don't think so. 
We must understand what God has called us to be. This is the purpose that He's called us to be about, is to be a living, breathing family, functioning, a body of Christ. What part of that is He speaking to your heart about today? If you need to talk to Him privately just between you and Him in your seat, then you feel free to do that. If you need to talk to somebody else, I'm going to be down front. If you need to share that with others, last week I'm so grateful that Lori came forward and shared that she had received Christ a few weeks ago. Maybe that's you today. That took me all, that just took me through the whole week, didn't you? Just her willingness to stand and say, I received Christ as my Savior. Maybe that's your part in the body today. God's going to use you to encourage somebody else. Whatever it is, if He's speaking to you, let's respond right now.